0: the joy of precepting in pharmacy education. We'll talk about that next on Locked On Pharmacy.
1: you are listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. You are listening to the Locked On Pharmacy Podcast, the insider's view into the world of pharmacy.
0: Hello, this is Frank Fortin for the American Pharmacists Association, precepting is an integral component of pharmacy education, and a lot of pharmacists do it. While it may seem to be an intimidating responsibility, the people who do precepting say it's one of the most rewarding parts of their professional life. We've asked two pharmacy educators to come on the program to talk about the joys of precepting. Dr. Lisa Hong is an associate professor at Loma Linda University School of Pharmacy in Loma Linda, California. She practices on an adult inpatient medicine service at Loma Linda University Medical Center. She precepts up to 11 APPE students, 6 IPPE students, and 7 PGY1 residents per year, and was recently honored with the 2021 Preceptor of the Year Award. Dr. Mackenzie Grinnell is an assistant professor at Cedarville University in Ohio and a clinical pharmacist of neurology at a local hospital, where she serves as an IPPE and APPE preceptor. She was part of the second graduating class at Cedarville University School of Pharmacy and completed her PGY-1 and PGY-2 in internal medicine at Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis. Lisa and Mackenzie, welcome to the program. Thank you. Great to be here. Lisa, tell, let's start with you. And uh, tell us, please, something about your background in precepting, how long you've been doing it, what schools, and what schools you've been precepting at.
2: Yeah, I was lucky enough to have a lot of precepting opportunities during my residency training, during my PGY-1 at the University of Colorado, as well as my PGY-2 at the University of Utah. And since then, I've been at Loma Linda University School of Pharmacy, where um, I've precepted up to 26 learners each year, including IPPE, APPE, and PGY-1 residents for the last six years. Um, And I practice on an inpatient adult medicine service.
0: Very good. Mackenzie, what about you? Uh, what is, uh, how long you've been doing it? What is your background in precepting and where you've been doing it?
1: Yeah, so I've uh, been able to precept uh, during my PGY1 and PGY2 at Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis, Indiana. Got to work with two different schools of pharmacy there. And then I took a clinical faculty role at Cedarville University in Ohio. I practice in a inpatient neurology um, service um, at a local hospital where I get to precept um, IPPE or IPPE and APPE APPE students along with uh, being involved in the PGY1 residency program there have been precepting for about a year now.
0: So what inspired you to become a preceptor? Was it an experience with a preceptor? Was it something you saw what had you say that's for me?
1: That's a great question. Uh, There were definitely lots of educators and various preceptors who uh, were really uh, influential in my growth as a pharmacy student and as a resident and as a new pharmacist. I think what help me catch the bug is just the opportunity to see and help someone else grow as a future pharmacist, because I have a niche in pharmacy. I've got my own interest areas, but there's lots of other patients, lots of other health systems, managed care, so many different areas in medicine that need to have excellent practitioners that I want to invest in the next generation of pharmacists to serve patients, serve our patients. Um, whoever that they get to serve um, and be excellent in in what they do.
0: Great. And Lisa, to use uh, Mackenzie's metaphor, how did you catch the bug?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I felt like preceptors that I had that had really high expectations for me and pushed me really hard, um, really helped me grow significantly. And even though in the moment I felt like, wow, this is so challenging and maybe really struggled on a day-to-day basis. In the end, I look back and see exponential growth in those time periods when I worked with preceptors who pushed me so hard. Um, so that's what, uh, I guess, gave me the bug to do the same for my future learners.
0: Great. So every year is different. Every rotation is, uh, is different, I'm sure. Um Lisa, what, what, what activities have you developed for your rotation that others who are considering or actually doing precepting now might be able to use at their practice site?
2: I love using layered learning in my practice. Uh, So I like to take multiple layers of learners, including PGY-1 residents, APPE students, and IPPE students at the same time. I think it's great to establish a hierarchy of teaching and learning. So if I have an IPPE student who's presenting a topic, because we all do topic discussions to help students improve their Uh, knowledge foundation in a certain area. So let's say they're presenting on heart failure, perhaps an IPPE student would prepare it based off of class notes. And I would expect APPE students to be prepared and facilitate the discussion, but also bring in discussion of use of clinical guidelines and application of those guidelines to, to a specific patient with heart failure. And then from a resident standpoint, I would expect my resident to also assist in the facilitating of the discussion, but also fill in gaps and discuss perhaps how we can use multiple guidelines. Um, You know, there are European um, ESC heart failure guidelines, as well as American ACCHA guidelines. So how are there differences between those two? How can we use them both to apply them to our patients? But then in addition to that, I expect my residents to discuss primary literature. So the new Emperor Preserve trial that came out, how does that now affect how we manage our patients with preserved ejection fraction? So overall, I think it's great to use this layered learning model, and it provides a good experience for the students and a good learning environment, as well as opportunities for them to learn how to precept.
0: A lot of role role modeling involved there, too, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And Mackenzie, what, is, what kind of activities have you developed for your rotations?
1: I'm gonna take a very practical bent to this question. Um, something that I have found really helpful is um, being really clear when it comes to expectations about schedule and time management with students. One of the ways that I've um, tried to do that is through using a Google calendar and, and blocking out time so that the students know when they're gonna be working at patients in the morning, when we're gonna be pre-rounding, time on rounds. And then how they can manage their afternoon when when we have topic discussions or journal club presentations or other meetings that I'm going to incorporate them into, as well as time for them to work on their own projects and and manage their own time so that uh, they um, have clear expectations about what what to do and when they can do it. Uh, I found that that has been a really uh, good way to convey and allow students to have some autonomy, but also... Um, understand kind of what the expectation is, um, when they need to be, where they need to be, and how long it's going to happen.
0: So if someone were to come to you, Mackenzie, and say, I'm thinking about precepting, what are the uh, three tips that you would have for them, maybe two or three, uh, just starting out? How would you uh, get them, get their minds, help them get their minds around the idea of, yes, I can be a preceptor too?
1: Yeah, that's a a great question. I think a little bit of planning goes a long way. So planning about planning the schedule, whether you use a Google calendar or not, uh, being being intentional about what activities you're including in your uh, rotation is gonna be really important. Uh, how many activities uh, are you gonna have the student complete? The number of projects, is it realistic? Are they gonna be able to get it done? Is it a realistic project based on their level of, of learning like Lisa had alluded to earlier? Uh, and then communicating that to the student as well. Um, you think that or like you have the schedule planned out, but if you don't tell the student, if you don't clearly articulate that, then it, it's not as helpful. So making sure that you clearly communicate that. And then the other thing that I would recommend is incorporating activities that allow you to understand the student's thought or the learner's thought process, um, because I don't I don't just want a student to know the right answer, like on a test. I want I want them to have the right thought process so that they can then apply that in the next situation that they find themselves in. And so for me, the one of those activities is pre-rounding uh, before we go uh, work with the neurologists and residents. Uh, um, up on the hospital floor. So that has been a really formative time so that I and I can even model my own thought process um, early on in the rotation or depending on the level of learner and then slowly um, ask questions, but also use that to provide some formative feedback as well.
0: That's great. And Lisa, what about you? What tips would you offer to other preceptors starting out?
2: Yeah. So as Mackenzie mentioned, setting expectations is really important, whether that's the schedule with that calendar or expectations regarding projects. Um, I think it's also important to take time to think about expectations for each level of learner, both at the beginning of the rotation as well as at the end of rotation. So for example, I expect an IPPE student to start with covering two patients on our inpatient medicine service. I expect APPE students to start with four patients, and then they both should be trying to pick up one patient per week. But then I have a minimum expectation at the end of the rotation. So for IPPE students, it'd be four patients that they can cover well. um, And for APPE students, it'd be six, you can see that the numbers don't really add up, which gives them some flexibility um, to kind of Increase their patient workload if they're ready, and maybe hold hold off and improve their their workup process and um, understanding of how to truly work up a patient and find interventions if they're not quite ready. And then, from a resident perspective, I expect them to cover eight, but pick up two per day. So by the end of the week, they should be covering most of the service. So you can see that those expectations differ, and depending on the time of the year, those expectations might be. Um, different for the same level of learner, right? If it's the beginning, like first rotation versus last rotation. So it's important to think about that at the beginning. Additionally, I think a lot of preceptors are scared of the time commitment that it takes to have students and residents on rotation. And so one thing that I would say is try not to overcommit time to teaching. So initially, I spent a lot of time discussing patients, talking about their disease states, about doing topic discussions. But just like in the classroom, students are... Not great at retaining that kind of um, learning. And so it's more about the active learning that helps with their attention. So facilitate their self learning by asking them to present answers to you. Um, And that way you can just fill in the gaps and redirect their self learning or research rather than investing so much time in really trying to fill their brains with the knowledge that you have. Um, Additionally, from a time standpoint, think about tasks that you have because I think. Oftentimes preceptors are worried about, gosh, I don't have time to sit with these students and residents because I have all these other things to do. So look at that to-do list and think about, well, are there any of these tasks that would be helpful for both you and the student from an experience standpoint? Um, you know, things like medication reconciliation, patient education, communication of recommendations to providers or nurses, presentations to the PT committee or in-services, there are so many different things on your to-do list that would be helpful for learners. Um, And as a faculty member, you know, development of cases for class or journal club keys for class, these are things that students can gain a lot from. Um, And while the initial time investment to train the learners how to do these things might seem like a lot, hopefully if you can train them well, it'll actually pay off in the long run so that by the end of the rotation, they've saved you some time and been able to help you check off some of those to-do list items.
0: That's great. Well, this is a lot, but Lisa, there's 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 uh, um, the rewards you get out of this must be enormous to invest this kind of this kind of effort into your students in your rotation. What's been your most rewarding precepting experience?
2: Um, the most rewarding experience that I think of actually comes from a student who had been placed with me after failing another rotation. Um, they were. In general, a poor performer and had a history of unprofessionalism in the classroom, with inappropriate language and being disrespectful to both faculty and classmates. And I know this isn't sounding very good right now when you asked me for a rewarding experience, Mm -hmm. but um, it's coming. Um, But I, I was so nervous to have this student on rotation. And on the first day, I sat down and had a very extensive conversation. Setting expectations, as Mackenzie mentioned, is so important, and we had conversations about expectations from a professionalism standpoint as well. And I can't say for sure that that the student's performance was just based on, you know, this initial orientation and uh, conversation about expectations. But this student really did surprise me um, and in a very positive way. Some students tend to do better in a clinical setting than in a classroom setting, and that was a the student. They really stepped it up, and while they still weren't the best student I've ever had, they weren't this crazy rock star that, you know, just blew me out of the water, but they worked so hard, and they took my feedback, and they implemented it quickly. It was clear we were on the same page in regards to expectations, and I was so proud of the growth of this student, so it made the
1: experience very rewarding.
0: That's awesome. Mackenzie, what about your most rewarding experience?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can point to one specific instance personally, but I think the most re- rewarding aspect of precepting in general is kind of to Lisa's point of seeing the growth and, may, and maybe being part of the growth that learners experience um, in that clinical setting, whether it's um, so a student who's not very confident, maybe they were not not a star student in school, and so they lack confidence in their ability to make recommendations or just to be able to answer the questions that I ask. And so seeing them by the end of the rotation being more confident in the answers that they provide and being able to affirm that, yes, you do know the, the right answer. that That's correct. It's, it's great to see that confidence build. It's also really exciting to see students who... Are, um, are, are really strong and then helping to push them to the next level. Um, so seeing that growth is definitely a rewarding experience for me.
0: Great. Um, it's almost time to wrap up, but I, I want to ask each of you, uh, starting Mackenzie with you, uh, let's scenario here. Someone comes up to you and says, I'm thinking about being a preceptor, but I'm just not sure. What do you say to them? What parting thoughts would you have for them uh, uh, if they were to come to you with this thought, I, you know, I have all concerns about the time or whether I have what it takes, what would you say?
1: Yeah. First thing I would say is take a deep breath. <laughs> um, to, it's it's not as overwhelming as one might think. I mean, there's a lot of support out there, whether it's from professional organizations or just other preceptors at your institution. I know I've found a lot of benefit talking with uh, senior preceptors at uh, um, at my the school that I work at, but also the, at the uh, the practice site that I'm at, getting their their expertise is really helpful. Learning from Lisa has been really helpful too. Uh, but also, just thinking, um, I think another piece of advice I would give is take a little bit of time before a first student and and. Uh, make some plans, plan out the schedule, think about those uh, expectations as Lisa had mentioned um, at the beginning, from the beginning of the rotation to the end, based on the level of learner that you might be working with and and make sure you have realistic expectations that you can then communicate. Um, Also, as part of that planning, think about the schedule, whether it's a Google calendar or just a Word document, Think, think ahead and how you can be strategic with your time, your time, but also with the learner's time as well. One other thing that I thought of as well is think about how you can provide feedback immediately that doesn't surprise the student or the learner at either the midpoint or the final evaluation. Some advice that I got uh, from a previous preceptor was implementing something they called uh, feedback Fridays. So every Friday, um, even before the midpoint, sitting down and just making sure that um, both you and the learner on the same page as to, as to how they are progressing. And hopefully there's some informal feedback that's happening after or during pre-rounds or after a topic discussion or a journal club that a, a learner might provide. But I've I've found that those feedback Fridays or some other type of uh, feedback prior to the midpoint and final evaluation helps you and the learner be really clear about how they're progressing through the rotation as well.
0: Great. And Lisa, what would you say to someone who says, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not sure?
1: Yeah, um, I
2: think Mackenzie had a lot of really great points. Thank you for sharing those, Mackenzie. Um, you know, I I think you just have to not be afraid of, of, of starting and maybe not being an expert at it. The students are there to learn and grow and you can learn and grow with them. Um, One thing that Mackenzie mentioned earlier was, you know, not necessarily finding right answers, but the process of finding them. So, you know, even if you personally don't feel like you have the answers, that's not a bad thing. And as a preceptor, you can teach it your learners a lot by saying, okay, let's sit down together and and what resources should we utilize? How am I going to find the answer? Because then you're teaching them to, again, not the right answer per se, but how to find the right answer on their own in all future situations that they come across. So don't be intimidated by not necessarily knowing everything or feeling like you're an expert in every area or feeling like you're not able to answer all their questions because you can learn and grow together. And in addition, um, I want to, say, I also use the Feedback Fridays. I love them. I think they're very effective. And I think one of the best parts about it is that it's feedback should be a two-way street. So the Feedback Fridays that I use, it's not just about like, let me give you feedback on how your progression is on the rotation on a week-to-week basis. I mean, yes, that's important, but it's also, hey, I want to take this time to ask you, like, what can I do differently to help you learn better? Um, is there something that I can do differently from a precepting standpoint or from a rotation design standpoint to help this be a positive learning experience for you? And so, again, if you're worried about starting out, use your learners to help give you that feedback so you can continue to improve it for, for your future uh, rotations.
0: That's great.
1: Definitely write, th- write that advice down, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Ongoing active learning every day. Very good. Well, Lisa Hong and Mackenzie Reynolds, thanks so much for joining us. and uh, Thank you for joining us on the program.
2: Thank you for having
1: us. Yep, appreciate it.
0: And that's it for this edition of Lockdown Pharmacy. This is Frank Fortin for the American Pharmacists Association. Thank you for joining us.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by the American Pharmacists Association, the largest professional association of pharmacists in the United States.